In 1 Corinthians, it's not the passage we're going to be looking at this morning, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're told that all members, uh, we are all members of one body and Christ is the head, uh, but that each member is not an identical member. That is that we are all unique and we have unique roles to play uh, in the ministry that God has for us. And when Paul was planting churches, he prayed that there may be some clarity of understanding uh, about this so that we as believers, as individual believers, could carry out our God-given role with excellence and therefore bear much fruit. So one of the things that Paul prays is that you would understand that he has a ministry that works with different people playing different roles. And so as we seek this clarity about what is our role and what God is doing, and we usually do this by spending time in God's Word, we are reading through passages, and, and sometimes and oftentimes they're passages that are very well known to us. And when we read through a passage that's very well known to us, maybe we've, it's so well known that we've even memorized it, what happens to me, and maybe it happens to you as well, is that our reading brain kind of goes on autopilot and our mind kind of wanders off because we already know what's coming next. And so one of the ways that I have found to kind of help that from uh, stop happening is that I like to read in different translations from time to time, especially in my daily reading, just so that uh, I'm kind of uh, exposed to different ways of thinking through things and that I might see things in a new light. And occasionally I'll be reading a passage that I've read a number of times and I know quite well, and there will be a surprise in that passage just because of the wording of the new translation. And it wasn't so long ago that I was reading through the book of Ephesians in the Amplified Bible, which is a, a Bible I enjoy reading for this purpose. And I read a phrase that said, don't be vague. Don't be vague. I don't, have you ever read that in the Bible, don't be vague? I was so surprised when I read this because it was in a passage I knew very well. And I was reading along, it says, don't be vague. And I, I, I thought to myself, what could this mean, don't be vague? So I slowed down and I started digging around uh, in that particular passage, and this is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. I'll read the passage in the Amplified Bible uh, to you. I think maybe you can follow along up here. If not, please follow along in your own text. Ephesians chapter 5, this is from the Amplified text. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buy up each opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Let's open a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage today that uh, we are, have the opportunity to spend time in and uh, we reflect on it, we also are reflecting on the new year, we're thinking through these things, Father, uh, I pray that you would just give us wisdom to understand what it is that your word is teaching as far as our relationship with you and as far as our walk with you and what it is that you desire from us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're jumping into the middle of a context in Ephesians chapter 5 here, verses 15 through 17, and we, need, we know that there is this context, and the context is that when one becomes a believer, their life is drastically changed and supernaturally transformed from what it used to be. So this new transformed life that we have as a believer is a very stark contrast from what it used to be as an unbeliever. Um, and Ephesians 5 uses terms like darkness and light in this context to, to explain the difference between being a believer and, 
and being an unbeliever and the change that takes place there. It says believers or unbelievers are still in darkness. And it explains in this context that to be in darkness is to be able to, not to be able to spiritually see. And so the perspective of those who are still in darkness or still darkness is that they can only see as far as what is tangible, that is, what is physical in this world and what is going on in this world. That's all that they can see. And so that greatly impacts their decision-making. So when a, a person who is an unbeliever who's living in darkness makes decisions, they only make it with the understanding that they have from the sight that they have. And the passage is trying to tell us that as a believer, however, we have been given spiritual insight, spiritual eyesight, and therefore that should change, it does change, how we see the world, and therefore it's going to impact the decisions that we make with our lives. And so as believers, we've been given this light, and that we can see beyond the physical and the tangible and the temporary. And this is to drastically change the way that we live. And then how we live is to be a natural extension of this new perspective that we have with this spiritual sight that's been given to us as we become believers. And now, as believers, it says here in Romans 5, we now have the capability of making decisions that are good and right and true based on God's perspective, that we can make decisions like God would want us to make decisions, and we would see things the way that God sees things. And this is a new perspective that we have as believers, so it's from this uh, context that we get to our passage in chapter 5, verse 15. And Paul says here, I'll read it one more time, with this context in mind, with darkness and light and spiritual perception. He says, look carefully then how you walk with your new eyesight. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of the time, buy up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Now, most translations in chapter 5, verse 17 say, don't be foolish. Uh, and, and if I would have been reading that, I would have just read that and read right on. But when I read, don't be vague, is what stopped me in my tracks and caused me to dig around a little bit here. And the Amplified has the opportunity to use more than one word to translate a concept. And so what they're trying to fully capture here is a, an idea of uh, this foolish is the idea of being vague or thoughtless or foolish. But the, the concept is lacking perspective. Don't lack perspective. Don't be thoughtless. Don't be short-sighted. Don't be lacking the big picture. Don't go through life as a believer like you're in a haze or in darkness because you're no longer in a haze or in darkness. Don't be foolish and think like this and act like this and see like this because things have changed for you. And so he says, don't be vague. Only taking into account what's temporary or tangible. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 gives us specific instructions how not to live a witless life. I don't know if you use that term, witless, a lot. There's another term that we may use more, nitwit. It's kind of the same idea. Don't be a nitwit. Don't use a witless life, just a little bit of wit, wisdom when you're going through life. Don't be witless, but be wise in seeing. 
Don't be vague is what he's saying in the, in the, the overarching concept of this passage. How many Christians are living vague lives? Are you living a vague life? I don't know if this hits you in the same way that it hit me when I was reading this, but when I read Don't Be Vague, it was a, a wake-up call to me. It gives, And as I started looking here, I saw three specific instructions how God tells us to live wise lives as opposed to living witless lives. First, he says here in chapter 5, verse 15, look carefully how you walk. Or see to it that you walk carefully. Uh, some of your translations may say circumspectly, carefully. The word here is, is with spiritual perception. When you look at your world, your family, your job, your community, your church, your friends, look at them with spiritual illumination. And from this enlightened viewpoint, be wise in your interactions with them. Believers and unbelievers, don't get fixated on what's tangible when you're interacting with somebody at work. Don't get fixated on something that's tangible and temporary when you're interacting with your family members. But interact in such a way that you are thinking from an enlightened perspective. The Amplified Version uses three words to, to fully describe this phrase, be careful how you walk or look carefully how you walk or see, see to it that you walk carefully. And there's like I said, the Amplified has this opportunity to be more expressive in trying to get the, the concept of the original across. And so I'll use those same three points that are used. The first word that describes walking carefully is purposefully. To walk carefully, you have to walk purposefully. That's a, a, a thought process and a determination. Purpose is to look out into the future and see where you're going and then determine the best way to get there. What do you want for your family in 20 years? What do you want for your career? What do you want in your relationship with the Lord? What do you want in your service to the Lord? What do you want when you stand before the Lord on Judgment Day? That purpose goes out there, considers these things, and then comes back, returns to the present, and starts purposefully planning your steps. Purposeful people are not vague in their daily steps, and the reason is because they have determined beforehand where they are going, and they've made that determination with the light on, the spiritual light on, the, the illumination on. They've gone to the future. They've thought about it. They've pondered it. They considered it. They were prayerful about it. They came back to the present and said, in order for me to get there, I must make these daily steps, and they purposefully made those daily steps. Do you know where you're going? Are you being purposeful? Second, the word is worthily, another descriptive of walking carefully. Walk worthily. That is to be discerning in how you conduct yourself. It should, whenever we use the word worthy or worth or worship, it should bring the idea of a the old scales with the weights, worth, should come to our mind. And we are to be weighing the options through our knowledge and through our experience, through maybe both of those together. And we have weighed these things, the pros and the cons, about a specific decision or way of conducting ourselves. And we have come to the conclusion that one is better than the other. And now we are going to make a decision based on that. Worthily is not gambling. It's a decision after carefully thinking through something and weighing it. 
And so you, you step here because you have come to the conclusion that this is the best way to handle yourself and the best way to walk in light of the fact that you've been brought into God's family and that he has an eternal inheritance for you and your light, your, your illumination is available for you. And so you use your spiritual insight to make this determination, this discernment, to make a worthy decision here. And you weigh and you assess and you think and then you make that decision accordingly. So purposefully looks into the future and decides where we're going, then comes back and makes those steps accordingly, worthily makes the determination to do it with character. There are often multiple ways to get to the same goal, but not all are equally worthy ways. Often the worthy way to get somewhere is a harder path. That's why often other people might take a shortcut or you might be tempted to take a shortcut. But the harder way sometimes is the best way. It's the right way. It's the way of character. It's the way of integrity. We think of Jesus' path. It took him right through suffering on the cross. That was the worthy path to take. You think earlier, Satan came to him and said, you know, I can actually get you to the same goal in a lot easier way. But Jesus chose the worthy path. And the wise are to follow Jesus' example, to take each step that we take with integrity, with worth. There's often more than one way to get to the goal, but not all ways are equally worthy. So don't be vague about your character. Don't be vague about your integrity as you are purposefully walking carefully before the Lord. And the last word to describe walking circumspectly or walking carefully is accurately, precisely, exactly, to do it with excellence down to the very smallest detail. I don't leave things to chance. I make a plan. I work the plan to the last de detail so that I'm assured as much as in my control that I have accomplished what I've been asked to do with excellence. So we're told that our work must be of the highest caliber, precise and accurate, even in the smallest detail, because the building that we are putting together, that we are involved in here, is to endure forever. We, our work here as believers, as we make our steps, are things that are going to last for all eternity. And so it's extremely important that we do them with excellence for the praise of the glory of God forever. When I was growing up, uh, we used to, my, I used to work with my dad. He was the brains and I was the help, helper, the brawn. But we used to do these works to get to work on different house projects, construction projects, uh, remodeling projects, different things that we worked on. Uh, neither of us were professionals by any man, means, and so we'd often make mistakes. And my dad would often say, well, you can't see it from the county road which meant our work is not great in this case, but it's good enough. When Christ inspects our work, it's not going to be from the county road. Christ is going to inspect the very details about our work, if it's done accurately, if it's done with character. And he expects us to walk carefully, carrying out our work with excellence because it has eternal significance. All three of these descriptive words and biblical instructions about how we are to walk carefully or circumspectly remind us of the passage in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 23 and 24. I'll read them in the Amplified since I'm using the Amplified today. 
Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you actually serve. So we're to be walking through this life with a spiritual perception, purposefully, worthily, accurately. Don't be vague. Foolish people are vague. Wise people walk in the light that they've been given with spiritual perspective. Are you unwise and witless? Or are you wise and sensible? It's not, a, it's not a question that you need to answer with your lips. You don't need to tell somebody whether you're wise or you're not in this context. The question has to do with our actions, how we will walk through this life. The word wise actually means to be skilled. You, you, you don't determine if someone's skilled by asking them if they're skilled. If it's a skilled artist or a skilled musician or a skilled athlete or a skilled carpenter, do you ask them if they're skilled? Or do you find out by their works if they're skilled or not? And the same is true for us. Wise people's works shine through and speak for themselves. We are to be walking as children of light. We don't need to tell people if we're wise or not. We can live in such a way that they can make a determination whether we're wise. Or not, And this is what he's talking about. Be wise, live in such a way that people will be able to see it because you are living as light, as a representation of God and his work and what he's doing here in this world. In this passage in chapter 5, verse 16, there's a, a second aspect to not being vague. First was walk carefully. The second aspect is to seize opportunities. And he tells us here, because the days are evil. Many of the days of this life are filled with suffering and misery and hardship. Uh, life is hard, not always maybe, but life is hard, and people suffer greatly during their few days of life here on this earth. So we as believers should not walk through life flippantly. That is passing our days frivolously engaged in some kind of blind routine or walking about and being engaged in witless or unworthy pursuits with our time here that don't take into this account the seriousness of life. So as a wise person, you take account the reality of the world that we live in that is hard, and it is hard because of sin, and that is true of all of our lives. And so, therefore, we must be aware of that and not frivolously passing our time as if this were not the case, as if we didn't see, as if we, we couldn't understand these things. Rather, we're to be waking up in the morning like a soldier who knows that they'll be spending time on the front line, line. This could be, you know, as a soldier, this could be the last day of your life. You're not going to be frivolous or, or lighthearted about this. It's not something you take lightly. You want to be alert and you want to be clear-minded because the day is, is a, a difficult day and a dangerous day and an important day. 
And this soldier that goes to the front line maybe is on uh, some kind of uh, watch duty for a bunch of people that are depending on him. And it might be his responsibility to watch for, say, five hours. Well, during most of those hours, nothing unique is happening. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. But can they lose their clarity of watching and their, their, their attentiveness to watching? Because there might be just one or two seconds during that five hours that makes all the difference in the world, that they must see this movement of the enemy and they must respond correctly for their own self and for, their, for those that they are responsible for. And so he's telling a soldier wakes up with this understanding that I have to be alert this whole shift that, I, that I'm on. And this is how we are to live our lives as believers also. We are to be watchful always. We are to be prayerful always. We are to be alert always. We are to be taking life seriously, aware that opportunities or moments in time don't have the same weight all the time. If you're on guard duty for five hours, two seconds could be the most important than all those other seconds of that day by a long shot. And so we are to be living our life always alert, always prayerful, always considering, and being prepared to seize those weighted moments, those times of opportunity that pass. Our English word opportunity has the, the root word port. In the past, when the seas were, were rough, the only chance for survival when there was a storm and you were in a ship was to find a port to find safety in, where you could shelter until the storm passed. And as you were sailing along a coast with no power other than your own sailor or sail, and you were sailing along there in the midst of a storm, you would be looking for a port. And if you were able to see the port at the right time and able to get in the port at the right time, then there could be safety for you. But if you were not able to catch that moment and you sailed past, that could be devastating or drastic or could be life-threatening. And so there's a small moments in time that come and they go. Opportunities, we call those things. An opportunity comes for a moment and then we understand that it, it leaves. There's a short window and believers are to be living their lives watchfully, alert, always looking for opportunities for the best use of their time. And when these opportunities come along, they are to snatch them up. They are to take the initiative and take them. If you want to be wise, if you want to walk in the light, you must understand that you must be alert at all times and you must grab certain opportunities. And you're actually even looking for these opportunities. With our eyes lit up, we are to be seeing these things. These believers to live their lives looking for this. This requires that we are prepared and we are looking and that we have the energy to pursue an opportunity if it were to come up. We can't be living our lives so burdened, so distracted with financial debt, time constraints, stresses, overcommitments, that we have no ability to look up and see an opportunity that might come our way. We are to be living wisely, not vaguely, wisely, looking for things that are important in the eternal, understanding that they won't just fall into our lap, but that we are to be taking the initiative to grab a hold of those and live considerately when those come up. And so we snatch up those opportunities, understanding that these have eternal value. 
These other moments of our day had less value, but I've been watching carefully, and another moment came up that was heavily, heavily weighted for eternity and importance. And when it came up, I was prepared, and I seized that opportunity. I grabbed it, and therefore, I am a wise man because of that. And if I were to live my life in some other ways, way, I would be what? Foolish. I would be unwise. I would be witless because I would not be thinking in a wise fashion. And so he says, don't be vague. So we are looking for these opportunities that have potential for great eternal return. The third aspect of not being vague is found here in chapter 5, verse 17. Seeking to fully grasp your role in carrying out God's will. It says here, therefore do not be foolish in the, in the ESV. Therefore do not be foolish, but, or therefore do not be vague, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Seeking to fully grasp what His will is and then carrying out that will is an aspect of wisdom. Often when we talk about God's will, we apply it to our personal life. We say something about God's will for my life. And that's fine as long as we realize that God's plan for our personal life is that we fully understand His plan. And then we fully submit to the work of His Holy Spirit so that we can effectively carry out His plan. The personal part is that we have an individual role to play in God's one work. So what's God's will for my life? God's will for your life is that you would understand what He is doing, and then you would be an effective participant in carrying that out. What is the one thing that He is doing? Well, this is what it is. Okay, then how can I, God's will for my life, how can I have an effective role in carrying that out? So we could sum it up like this. Paul is saying, don't be vague by knowing what God is doing and knowing your role in what God is doing. It's no different than most any, any, any other company. If you're applying to work for Coca-Cola, you would be wise to do some research and have some good knowledge about what Coca-Cola does before you go in for your interview. What products do they produce? Where in the world do they work? What makes them successful? What areas are they trying to expand into? And then you'd have to have some idea of what role in the company you're applying for. Are you applying for the CEO of Coca-Cola? Are you applying for the accountant position? Are you applying for the production supervisor, truck driver, night security, Marketing, safety officer, maintenance, distribution. If you don't know the answer to that question when you come in for your interview, if you're so vague that you have no idea, God has one plan and he has one will and God's will is for you personally to be effectively about carrying out his will. Do you know your role in his plan? Are you the accountant? 
Are you the truck driver? Are you the marketing agent? What is God's plan and what, are you, what is your role or your part in that plan? To be a wise person, we cannot be vague about these things. We must understand what it is he's doing and what the role is that we can play, that he has designed us to play. We'll see this in Paul's prayers for the churches. He prays a very similar prayer for the church in Philippi, the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae. I'm going to read the one from the church in Colossae. But if you can keep the phrase in your mind, don't be vague, as we read Paul's prayer. I'm going to read the prayer from Colossians. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is Paul's prayer. Paul is praying that you will gain a clear understanding of what the company does. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul is praying that once you understand what the company is all about with growing understanding and growing clarity, that you will fully understand your own role in it and that you will be supernaturally strengthened with a grateful heart to carry out that role. That's Paul's prayer saying, don't be vague about what God is doing and what your role that God is doing. This is what he prays for the church in Philippi. My big prayer for you, Philippians, is that you know what God is doing and you know your role in it. My big prayer for you, Colossians, my big prayer for you, Ephesians, my big prayer for any person who is a part of God's family is that you would know these things, that you would not be vague and foolish and witless but that you would be wise and that you would carry these things out with clarity. Don't be vague. What is God doing? What is your role in what God is doing? Can you answer those questions with clarity? I trust that these three words, don't be vague, will force each of us to continually be sharpening our focus and carrying out the work that we've been asked to do with excellence. It's a new year. Don't be vague or witless this year. Know what God's will is. Do it with purpose, character, excellence, making the most of every opportunity. Let's close in the word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for the clarity of your own word. Father, we thank you that your word is consistent in passage after passage, directing us to the same way of seeing things. We thank you that you are the one who gives light so that we are in a new place as believers. Father, we pray that as believers in this new place that we would be wise. Father, we pray as we start this new year that we could have some reflection about these things that we've been speaking about, that we'd be wise stewards to live in the light that you've given to us, and that we would do these things to be pleasing to you and to bear much fruit. We just thank you for the opportunity to come together and gather with God's people, that we can play these different roles side by side with others, and together we can produce what it is that you've asked of us. And we just thank you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.